0: This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station.
1: This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. Helen Farmer with you on today's episode of Afternoons. We're on a bit of a quest trying to find part-time jobs in the UAE and also the reasons why there are so few available. We had HR industry insider Rahini Balagil on hand and also hearing the real-life stories of some really frustrated residents and offering up, you'll be pleased to know, some answers too. And White from Level Up in the studio, massive advocate for women weightlifting, talking about the health and indeed mental health benefits, the power of community and what happens to your body when you lift more. And tomorrow is Leap Day, February 29th. According to some folklore and Irish origins, this is the day where women can propose to their partners. We brought in the proposal experts to find out more about it and some of the proposals they've created right here in the UAE. Plus, it was Dr. Jiao, clinical director of Dr. Vet Clinic in Abu Dhabi, on hand to guide us through neutering, spaying our animals and, of course, take your questions too. So I'm going to kind of lift the lid a little bit about how it can work in terms of what we talk about on the radio. And I had an impassioned email from someone about a week ago going, Helen, you've been in Dubai ages and you know lots of mums. Where can I get a part time job? And I was like, oh, I can reply to this. No, I can't because I didn't know the answer truth be told. So I put a little shout out on my Instagram stories, little question box saying, you know, what's the deal with part time jobs? Do you have one? How do you get one? You know, is there is there a kind of hidden, I don't know, resource that I don't know about? And I was inundated with messages. And I wish I could say they were all messages of people going, yeah, I have an amazing one. And oh, I've got I've got a have got 10 jobs. I just need some amazing people to fill them. No, I would say 98% were from frustrated people, and I would say mostly mums, although that is the demographic of people that do follow me generally, um, saying, how, why? I'm desperate to work. This is my, you know, these are my credentials. These are my my experience. How can I get into the workplace? How can, I, how can I earn? So that's what we're talking about this hour, part-time jobs in the UAE and who better to guide us through the topic. And we are going to be hearing from listeners and people that reached out to me throughout the course of the hour as well. Rahini Balagil is a senior management consultant, GG Consulting, industry insider when it comes to all things HR. And Rahini, we've touched on this in the past. We have. And I don't feel like anything's changed, but maybe you know differently. I wanted to ask you some of the, what is the lay of the land? Okay, Let's get straight to it. What's going
2: on? Okay, so we have to remember it was only in February 2022 that part-time work was allowed. So we're only two years on. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of comparing apples with carrots. So we come from the whichever part of the world we come from. And we have this idea about what part-time work is. And and we want the same in different places. Yeah, we want to kind of replicate it. So, for example, um, m- when my
1: mum had us as kids, she went back to work. So she, I remember vividly, she did Tuesday, Wednesday, mm-hmm. and she did nine until three, two days. And that was, you know, she loved what she did. And then this idea, I think people's definitions of part-time work are very different as well. They are. So I guess historically, what do we need to think about the UAE? What do you need to take into consideration to understand,
2: you know, why it's at this stage now? Okay, so if I go back to February and that's when it was allowed, so which is only two years. Mm -hmm. Now, in this two years, the roles will come about if people have left or there are new roles created Mm A percentage of those will be allowed to be part time, allowed in the sense, um, logistically, operationally speaking. Um, So it's a small number. Traditionally, people went to schools, not because they were part time, but because the hours suited them.
1: And I think that's really interesting because I had a number of people saying, and in fact, we've had a message here from Kate saying, I've I've gone to work as a TA at my children's Mm. school. Only thing I could find that fitted around children's hours, the salary is very disappointing um, compared to hours and the effort. So shout out to all the TAs. I think TA is not necessarily a part time job. It's not. It's it, not. It just happens to fit in with the hours of it. pick up, drop off, and, and school. You know timings. And, and it's oh god, I have so much respect for teachers Me. and TAs. Oh
2: my goodness. Too.
1: So that was the historic thing, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Like, you know, contact contact your child's school, see if there's any TA roles going. That's it. Um, but what it's not really addressing is the huge number of professional women who have maybe taken a career break, very maybe very very very, very short career mm. break who want to be using their professional training, their education, their maybe decades of experience in a role, but there simply is an outlet for it?
2: Um, there is. Okay, so I'm I'm going to go back to the definition of part-time role. So many mums will write to me saying, oh, you know, I'm looking for a part-time role, just like they write to you. And the first thing I'll ask them is, what do you want, why part-time? And they'll say, well, it needs to work around the kids. I said, what do you need to do with them? I need to pick them up. But, but I can work after that. So then... Technically, they're looking for a flexible role. So we need to change our perception as well, Helen. I'll mm-hmm. come on the employer side later too, but it's easier to start with ourselves, right? It is. So you can have a full-time role that's flexible, that allows you to take that lunch break for school pick but you go home and you continue working. Mm -hmm. This is one of the joys of 2020.
1: Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. Is this a positive from the pandemic? It is. And we're going to be talking next about some of the obstacles, the attitudes maybe Mm -hmm. amongst some employers, why flexibility part-time is just not really on the table as much as it needs to be. We've had some messages asking about logistics of employing part-time people as well. And as I said, a lot of frustrated people out there who would love to have a bit more flexibility in their working week. And we're hearing from one mum next. Mm-hmm. Joining us in studio, we've got Industry Insider, uh, Human Resources, a Senior Management Consultant at GGC Consulting, Rohini Balagil. And we're also hearing from you. Loads of messages coming in on the text line, I have to say lots of frustration and we're catching up with Angela now who has been there, seen it, done it and trying to find a t-shirt to wear to work. Um, tell us a little bit about your story.
3: Where, where does it begin and where are you now? Um, well, look, I'm an Australian. I moved here to Dubai in 2016. i um, newly married, no children. Life's great here in Dubai, but priorities have changed now with two kids, age four and two. Husband works full time. Cost of living has changed. And I want to transition back into the workforce after, after a career break and still be the full time parent. And I'm not alone. My friends, my mama, and amigos, we're also in the same boat. And by the sounds of it, there's a huge community of us out there. Mm. And we're searching for this, I don't know, Goldilocks jo- job or trying to create one. Um, but where do we start? How do we find the parent friendly organization and the flexible working hours Um, to fit? Does it exist in Dubai?
1: That's what we're trying to figure out. And interestingly, funny you parent-friendly because that's something we touched on yesterday with the parent-friendly label that's um, been awarded to well, 17 companies last year. Um, Rikini, and this is really summing up an awful lot of messages that we've had through social media and on the text line. What advice would you give to these, as you so beautifully put it, these mama amigos, this incredible you know, bank of untapped talent that is really keen to get back
2: to work? Okay, so... If you see a job that you like and you want to apply for it, go on the company website, have a look at their values. If those values align with yours, apply. If not, don't waste your time. I would love to say that a hundred percent of the companies are going to be aligned with flexible working and all that stuff. They're not. And, um, and you, so firstly, you won't waste your time, energy, Resource, call it whatever you want. Yeah, heartache. Um, applying, yes, <laughs> yeah. applying. I feel for you. I really, really feel for you. But I'm, I'm also going to ask you right now. Your kids are two and four. They will grow up, um, and you will be in a position to give more than a hundred percent back to the company um, in person. Sure. So you have to find the company that deserves you. Very often, when we're out of the workforce. Our own self-esteem is is it, it diminishes, and and then applying for the wrong jobs and getting the wrong answer, mm-hmm. it just kills us.
1: Um, Ange, can I ask you, what job would you like? Can we manifest it on the radio mm. now? Maybe someone's listening. Let's what, manifest. What, what's, what you know? What are your experiences? What would that you know day look like in an ideal world if you were able to to get a job that fitted your your needs?
3: Well, I guess it has to fit in between drop off, pick up, kids. Uh, classes in between with the little one um so i want a job that you know i don't know i want a job that i can work from home perhaps or maybe in the mornings and maybe a little bit in the afternoon Mm -hmm. and i guess for the working people sorry it's okay
1: it's okay. It sounds like yeah. it's really been really upsetting and frustrating, you know, for so, so long and feeling like you're coming up against brick walls. And, you know, I think we put it really, really beautifully there that, you know, your self-esteem takes an absolute battering. We tie up an awful lot of yeah. identity and value in what we do and what we offer to the world. And that can look like kids sometimes and that can look like work sometimes. And to get knockbacks or, as you're struggling with now, to even try and articulate what you want because it's so confusing is really, really yeah. tough.
3: Really tough.
2: Yeah. Can I ask it you a is. question? Yeah. Yes.
3: What did you do in a previous life? So I'm a full-time primary school teacher in Australia. I've worked in non-profit schools in South Africa, fundraising, marketing, events, you name it. Uh, and in Dubai, I ended up starting my own business Four kids mm-hmm. um, to to have that flexibility, doing uh, learning coaching with them, so social emotional skills, brain training, and then looking at you know what personalized needs they needed mm-hmm. to to excel in the classroom and achieve success. So you know I, I needed that role that's flexible to showcase my talents and build upon that experience, but also. You know, fit into the reality of a parenting role. So
2: there's a company, and the name escapes me, but I will send it on to Helen. Yeah. Um, they are a non-profit organisation, and they, they, what they do is um, education, schools, um, all over the world, especially in developing areas. Um, and it's I've- like a charity. I will put you in touch with them.
1: And Angela, I'm listening, thinking about a few people that I might know. We've actually had a few messages going. I'm looking to offer someone a part-time sales job. Mm. We're talking about logistics of that as well. But there's also someone I want to connect you with because she reached out recently. And she is almost like a career guidance coach for women and mums in particular. And I think it can be really hard to get stuck in our own heads of going, well, the, this is what my talents are. But sometimes it can take someone external to go, you haven't even realised like what, you know, how yeah. good you are at this or what you've learnt through motherhood. And then let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's address that ele- elephant in the room in terms of how much we devalue the skills we learn through being a parent. So I've got a few people I'm going to connect you with. I'm going to get these details from Rohini as well. I just want to say such a sincere thank you for reaching out to me and speaking to us today because i think you speak for an awful awful lot of people and um i think you've put it really nicely before Rohini. you know like we need to understand just how lucky some companies would be to, to have you. So thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and if you've got any opportunities, if you've just been listening to Angela speaking to us there, drop me a message on 4001. I'd love to do a bit of matchmaking on the show today. Mm. We have had, I said, a number of people reaching out with roles that they need filling. We're going to talk about some of the logistics around employing part-time work, some of the obstacles that employers might face. Um, we've got lots to talk about over the course of the show. Um, and we're going to be speaking next to Rahini about exactly that some of the attitudes of employers and how ultimately we need a bit of a wake-up shake-up to get more people back in the workplace here in the UAE. We are talking about the quest for part-time work here in the UAE with Rohini Balagil, Senior Management Consultant at GGC Consulting. So getting the HR insider's take on this. Lots of messages that we're going to be coming to. Um, I wanted to start with this one um, saying flexible working opportunities, travel counsellors an option for anyone with a real passion for travel you work 100% flexibly from your own home. There is a webinar coming up 12th of March. If anyone wants that or more information they can contact me directly that's Holly. So if you want to send me the word travel I will send you Holly's details you can find out about more about that. I've also had a message from uh, Lise saying I'm looking for expat mums to fill sales roles for my new company along the lines of avon commission based and work their own hours uh they say if you are comfortable for me sharing your number give me a thumbs up and if anyone wants those details you can send me the word i don't know send me the word mum <laughs> also the message is going saying i'm being staying at home mum for 20 years now the kids are older independent i want to contribute my time for a cause other than home and kids but it's normally a dead end any leads for flexible working, volunteering for good causes, kindly let me know. For volunteering, Thrift for Good are amazing. Um, I definitely give them give them a shout out. Um I've also had a message here say from Maddie saying accountancy and bookkeeping are good part-time mm-hmm. options and mm-hmm. you can retrain at any age. Mm-hmm. And Kelvin saying virtual assistant work, yeah. I need one. What do you say to that, that little lot,
2: Rahini? Oh, brilliant. So I also have HR on my list. I've got business development. So before I came on here, I went on to, uh, Glassdoor mm-hmm. looking for part, just, just to see. Um, there's marketing roles. Marketing can be done in from anywhere. Anywhere. Um, software development, that, that, sh- through me but yes thinking about it of well, course it can be done interestingly when we think
1: about um i see an awful lot of people making money on kind of digital products so really yeah. getting good at Canva um have this there's quite a lot of flexibility there as well um i wanted to put this question to you Mr. message here saying i would love to offer someone a part-time sales job but how to do that with having to do visas and medical can we talk about the back end yeah
2: yeah really simply so the visa i'm assuming this person's um, Married, and they, they would have a visa anyway, um, to live here. So the visa can be on, they can be on their husband's visa. As long as they have an NLC, um, that's fine. The medical, presumably, the husband's company might be providing mm-hmm. it for them. Um, and absolutely. All the, all the, the lady needs to do is provide um, a labor card. So, Sorry,
1: labour card. The company will provide the labour yeah, card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's it. So an NOC from husband. That's it. Okay, hope that helps. Um, a message here saying, this is from Lisa saying, yep, thumbs up. You can share my share my information. It's a shoe business and who doesn't love shoes? Oh, God. Um, what about some of the obstacles that you're hearing from employers? And let's counter that with some of the benefits to employing. So what are some of the attitudes you hear from people in HR on the company side about why they're not able to offer really flexible part-time roles?
2: Okay, so... I- Very quickly, when this was first announced two years ago, everybody was really excited. Mm -hmm. Oh, goodness, we can offer part time roles, we can do this, we can do that. And then people just forgot about it. I genuinely think people have of hiring managers and HR might it might have slipped their mind that it still exists because it's not being talked about in the media as much as well.
1: I'm here, I'm here, I'm talking That's about it. it. It is It is possible now for two years. So we had this big flash of excitement and then it's all we died did. away.
2: We did. So what are you hearing then from people saying, oh, we can't make it work because... Because of commitment, because of handover. I say job share. So if it's a full-time role, get two people to do job share. It's brilliant because you've got cover for holidays. You've got succession planning. If one person leaves, the other person can... F- you know, do full time for a short time, mm-hmm. and you're never left in the lurch. I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's, it's. I, I am amazed why more companies haven't take, done this.
1: Guys, this is our plea. We're making it yes. our cause today. Rahini with us today, and Lisa getting in touch. She's starting a company um, with shoes commission based, totally flexible. Um, if you want her details, just give me send me the send me the word mum. I'll I'll hook you up. Speaking of hooking you up, we are going to be continuing this conversation all the way through until three o'clock today. We are tackling a bit of a hot topic today, judging by the number of messages. This idea of lack of part-time work here in the UAE. An awful lot of frustrated people getting in touch saying, I want to work, (laughs) let me work. Um, And some confusion on the employer side as well around legalities. So... Guiding us through this topic today, we have got Senior Management Consultant at GGC Consulting, leading human resources consultancy, Rohini Balak-Gill. And we've had loads of you reaching out through various channels on the WhatsApp, on the phone line. And we've
4: got this anonymous voice note too. Hi. um, So I've been back in Dubai for, gosh, probably about eight months now. I've been searching for jobs, applying. I've had interviews well, I've spoken to recruitment companies, um, I've got the interviews, been to the interviews um, and discussed the flexible working and expressed the fact that, you know, I have two young children. I need to have, at least initially, some flexibility around drop-offs and pickups. but, you know, after school I can go home and work from home, no problem. Um, and I've been offered four jobs, um, each of them, all of this has been discussed in the interview, and then when it's actually come down to um, having the job offered and I've gone back and you know just reiterated I need some flexibility around drop-offs and pickups, um, they've attracted and said basically, no, it's an on-site role, um, you need to make it work, which obviously I can't. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's so frustrating and soul-destroying, quite frankly. Um, so, yeah, I just want to know... Where are these companies that offer flexibility to working parents? Um, myself, and I'm sure many others, you know, we're well qualified, very experienced um, and good, hard working people who want to work, but just want to be, you know, have that flexibility a- around our family. Um, and there just doesn't seem to be enough companies out there that offer that flexibility to working parents. Really echoing the thoughts of so many people getting in touch today. Now, we did touch yesterday
1: on parent-friendly workplaces. Um, I would urge you to listen to that podcast from yesterday. And if you just Google parent-friendly UAE, there's a list of 17 companies and some of them, I was blown away by their policies. I'm talking like 14 weeks of um, parental leave for the father, coaching in and out of going on leave true flexibility. Um, Rihini, we've only got a couple of minutes left and I wanted to ask you if there's anything you would really like to address to employers and indeed job seekers today on this topic that we haven't
2: touched on yet. Um, I've got a plea. I've got a plea for employers, for HR departments and hiring managers. Please consider part-time job, share. So f- job sharing for full-time roles, if it's possible. Um, it gives you succession planning. It covers for holidays. It helps so many people out. Um, Please, please, please consider it. Um, But also for mums or trailing spouses looking for part-time roles, ask yourself, why do you want this part-time role? Is it part-time you want or do you want a flexible working environment? I think we're a tiny bit confused sometimes and, and we're using these interchangeably mm-hmm. many times people can apply for full-time roles uh, I know this this voice note was really sad because she'd obviously made it quite clear in the interviews
1: yeah only to be ignored yeah
2: and and uh, to, to that lady I want to say you are you've had a lucky escape because you've made it clear in the interviews and they haven't taken heat and they've oh it makes my blood boil. They've wasted their time and yours. What did they think? Mm-hmm. So lucky escape for you there.
1: I just want to read out a couple of quick messages. One from Varsha saying, this is why I started my own business. Mm. I think I do end up working more than 40 hours a mm-hmm. week, but at least it's on my own time mm-hmm. timeline and terms. Message here saying, I'm interested in finding experienced recruiters who are looking for part-time work. Feel free to pass on my number if you want to send me the word Work to 4001. I'll connect you with this listener. And another frustrated parent saying, I've been a primary school teacher for nine years before having my son, who's now two. I don't know where to start beginning to find part time or flexible work so I can still be the main caregiver. I want another child without having to be completely out of work for another couple of years. And we should say, Mums at Work recruitment company tried a number of years ago Mm -hmm. to start this. And there was a huge appetite Mm -hmm. from mums, women mostly.
2: And unfortunately, it didn't succeed because there wasn't the appetite on the other side. That's it. But now there will be because it's it's all legal. Um, And and I think as as all of us, we just need to give it a bit more momentum.
1: Mm -hmm. I've got one last shout out here saying I'm so happy this topic is being discussed. Uh, My organisation is called Key Global, but it's key spelt K-I, only employs on a part-time basis. We support uh, support mums back into the workplace with part-time roles. We're flexible around pick-up and drop-off and anything kid-related. We want to empower women back to work in an environment that's understanding and gets how tough it is managing life, work and kids. I'd love to hear more discussions on this. So that's Key Global, but key is spelt K-I. So um, give them a Google. It sounds like they're doing, doing some mm. great work out there. And this is, this is why we need to have these conversations and keep shining the light yes. on the frustrations, but also the companies that are going out of their way to address it. Absolutely. Rahini, for anyone that wants
2: to contact you from a consulting point of view, uh, what's the best way of getting in touch? Um, email. Um, I'll give it to you and then if you pass it on to them. There
1: you go. Send me me HR on 4001. I'll hook you up. I'm going to be busy during a bit of the Backstreet Boys. Rohini, it was an absolute pleasure to see you. Lovely to see you. You'll come back, right? I will come back. I feel like we've got lots more to talk about. We do. This isn't going anywhere. Um, And as I said, we've had messages about travel consultancy, about sales commission-based work. Um, If you want to send me a little message with what you are interested in, I've saved all of the details into a document and I'll be happy to copy and paste. Um, So with a... I think we've started something here, guys, and I'm, I'm really happy to be able to help out as many people as possible. Aunt White is in the studio from Level Up, massive advocate for women lifting weights. Um, you are speaking to someone who struggled to carry the dinner plates from the kitchen to the dining table last night, and so I can only apologise for my puniness, but that hasn't always been the case. I was pretty strong for a while, yeah. got pregnant and never really got back into lifting. Apart from when I did Kilimanjaro and I was like, if, I don't, if I'm not able to carry 15 kilos up a mountain, then I'm going to be left behind. <laughs> Tell us about why you are such a big advocate for, for women really building their strength through lifting in particular.
0: Sure. Um, firstly, thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. Uh, so it's, it's, it's vital for everybody, men and women of all ages. But I think for women in particular, it's that barrier of entry. It's um, it's far easier to go to a circuit class or a spin class or a boxing class um, where it's simply a case of go there and do as you're told and just get through it. And it can be quite daunting, understandably, for a woman to enter the weights room of a gym and embark on a strength training program.
1: And I'll tell you from a woman's point of view, because that environment is really, really intimidating. And I don't want to, you to take this personally. It's because of lots of men that look like you. <laughs> it is, though. Yeah. And it's this kind of ego you know, exclusive, and I don't mean that in a kind of desirable yeah. way, of we know what we're doing and we're going to judge you and what you're doing or indeed not doing. And finding the right environment to lift weights, I think is probably half the battle, which
0: is 100%. what you're trying to create. And, and we are creating it really well. I think one thing that Level Up does exceptionally well is we are educating and empowering women to have the confidence to go into a gym and embark on it themselves. Um, It's not just a case of come to us, do as you're told, and then leave. They come to us, we coach them, we guide them, we arm them with the tools that they need, both um, educationally and with information. so that. And I see this all the time. We've had ladies who have trained with Level Up for maybe a year, maybe 18 months, two years, and they then travel. They go on holiday or they go home for the summer, and I get videos and photos or Instagram stories of them at the gym, amidst all those guys who look like me and not just doing what they need to do for themselves, but also like bossing it, really bossing it. And um, that's for me, for me personally, that's the biggest takeaway from Level Up. That's the thing I'm most proud of.
1: You should be. We're going to talk next about some of the physical benefits, but I want to come back to some of the obstacles and maybe misconceptions. So one, I think, is that finding that physical space where you are encouraged rather than judged. The other thing is, I think, and we are starting to combat this somewhat through education, is a lot of women don't want to bulk up.
0: Yeah. Is that something that you come up against? That's, that's the biggest hurdle for me. That's the biggest myth that I have to combat and try and dispel. And I think we are getting better at it. There are a lot of educational sources of information. they have got great podcasts out there, good YouTube channels, very informative, good social media accounts. And that message is always the same. You need to lift weights. You must start strength training. So that's really good because I don't need to do any of our own marketing because mm-hmm. the internet does it for us. And then we are that... Missing piece. We are that missing piece. Okay, so we know what to do, but how do we do it? And that's when they come to us. But of course, like you say, I still get the question of, but I don't want to get too bulky.
1: Yeah, I don't want traps like you, Aunt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um I'm still working on them. But the thing is, building muscle and burning fat are never mutually exclusive. In fact, it's the building of the muscle that actually accelerates fat loss. And particularly on women, like when you build muscle and you aspire towards that, you might always hear buzzwords like an athletic frame or defined or toned. And when you really break that down and discuss what that means, it means to have the presence of muscle as well as the absence of body fat. Mm -hmm. So indeed, we need to lose body fat, but we need to have that presence of muscle. We need to start lifting weights. We need to start building. And well luckily we are entering an era where women are starting to do that more which is fantastic and when women do put on muscle it simply tightens the area that women want to be tighter and it adds shape and curve to the areas that women want to add shape and curve to so in fact I get a lot of women who may be a little bit put off by the fact that they're building muscle and then once they start seeing it they can't get enough of it and it's like a drug they just want to keep going back and keep building muscle and They're marvelling at their glutes, their quads, their shoulders.
1: I think it's also a bit of a battle of the scales. You know, as women, we're really used to wanting those numbers to come down. And that can be a bit of a mindset shift of the numbers might not go down, but the shape, the fit of your clothes can be completely transformed. I'm going to talk next about what what actually the real benefits, especially, and I'm going to be phrasing this delicately, women of a certain age, my, my fellow 40s women and 50s as well, why strength now can really future proof you through the menopause and beyond. We're talking about why women need to weightlift, and I'm not talking about getting you know Olympic level, we're talking about functional fitness and future proofing yourself now with Ant White from Level Up. A message here from Christina saying, Not a question, but Level Up is a game changer and the most comfortable environment to train and push yourself. There you go. You're just talking before. It's all about the people. It is. (laughs) Would you mind, we talked about this kind of gym anxiety that a lot of women suffer from. Would you mind demystifying when we're talking about your classes? Sure. What happens? How many people are in the room? What's equipment's in the room? What what, what are people doing? And I guess maybe even the different classes through the weekend. Would that be okay? Of course, yeah.
0: So we we run in six-week programs. We only allow new joiners to join us in the first two weeks because it is about education and it's about information. And if we have new joiners come all the time, then they might start missing some teaching points. And I don't want to detract away from the rest of the class because, of course, we've got some fantastic members. I want to make sure they get the best service they can. And I want to make sure that everyone gets the attention and the quality coaching that they deserve. And that's what it's all about. It's about quality of service. So classes tend to be no more than 10 people strong. And when there are 10 people in there, there's two coaches present. So there's like one coach between four or five people. And we make sure that, first of all, exercises are executed properly and correctly. And, of course, between sets, we rest. And during those rest periods, we like to have conversations about why we're doing what we're doing, how to do it better nutrition everything so it's a very intimate setting and it's more it's like pt in a group format Mm
1: -hmm. can we talk about the whys especially as women get older sure what are some of the big impetus you know i guess some of the big wins that you've seen with clients
0: okay so first of all of course just the um as we accrue more muscle mass or indeed retain it there's gonna be a point in everyone's life a woman's life where biologically we start to deteriorate and that muscle breaks down as we age Now, if there was one pill that we could take to anti-age ourselves, it would be in the form of weight training. So not just for functional purposes and being strong around the house and resilient and robust, but also for for brain health. There's a, a constant conversation between your brain and your muscles. Electrochemical signals happening all the time, back and forth. And the more muscle you have, the better cognitive function you have.
1: I've never heard that before.
0: Yeah. So there's that. And then, of course, for women in particular, as they enter menopause, you've got the fact that weight training is the best form of regulating your hormones. So, of course, there are other forms of exercise, but they could be quite stressful, and that's going to actually play havoc with your hormones. The best thing for a woman to do is to enter a a gym or a weight training environment, obviously preferably one that they're not intimidated by, and start lifting and lifting effectively and lifting intelligently to keep their homeostasis in check and keep everything balanced and regulated
1: what about bone health this has been the big thing that's you know people are banging the drum on about menopause is about bone density as we get older again
0: that's a huge one in fact it was just this morning and i actually posted on our instagram story this morning um there was one gentleman he he showed you the kind of cross section of triathlete's thighs of a 70 year old triathlete's thighs and you could see the muscle mass and how much stronger and how much more there was than the average 70 year old who didn't and then, of course, it showed you, you could see the bone, the bone um, circumference and the diameter, significantly more dense. So, yes, massive, huge for bone health.
1: Um, I had a message going, when is the next programme starting? Can you break it down for us in terms of how it works, how many sessions a week you tend to recommend? And, yeah, I guess the next, next intake, White.
0: Sure. So... Um, the next programme would start on the 22nd of March. We're in currently week three. So another three weeks and we start the new programme. However, I am actually going to be looking at starting a kind of a beginner's package for the next three weeks. As a kind of like a launch platform for ladies to then join us for the next proper programme where we really break things down and uh, just learn the basic movements very, very simply, very, very slowly to give everyone a bit more confidence, um, both in me and, of course, themselves with what they're coming in to learn. And then they can just join the rest of the ladies as of the 22nd of March.
1: And how many sessions do you... That, I know you're going to say as many as, many as possible, but in an ideal world... And, no, know.
0: actually, I, I wouldn't say that. So we have three sessions a week. We have three strength sessions a week because... It's funny, because Level Up has grown in success hugely. And it's all because I'm not saying things to actually... Advertise or promote or make it sound sexy, but because I'm telling people what they need to hear rather than what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. So it is just three sessions a week because in those days where you're not training, you're resting and you need to rest. It's a huge part of the process. So we have three strength sessions a week, but we also, on the team, we have a wonderful physiotherapist and mobility instructor where we deliver two yoga slash mobility sessions, which is all part of the Level Up program.
1: I've had Mattis going um, where? That's I guess I guess where, that's the final piece of the puzzle.
0: Where it's Alcos. Okay. It's quite sent We try to find the most central location to everything. Um, so yeah, Alcos, and it's we've got such a vast schedule. We've got classes from six a.m. all the way through to eleven a.m. and then in the evenings.
1: If anyone wants to send me the word up, can I share your information? with that of be okay? Of course you can. Thank all right, White. Thank you so so much. Absolute pleasure. Maybe I'll come to your office next time. That would be amazing. <laughs> Tomorrow is leap day. Yes, 2024 is a leap year. And according to some folklore and historical customs, this is the day when women propose to their partners. We're getting to the bottom of this and talking proposals in the UAE now with who better Rio and Tasnian proposal planners from the big proposals. Now... I love talking about love. So I'm so happy that you are with us in the studio today. Um, I want to know, I mean, Rio, you've been working in the wedding industry for years and years and years. Um, But have you ever had a couple where it's been the woman that proposed to the man? We have had... Well, first of all, thanks for having us, You're Helen. very welcome. Happy almost leap day. <laughs>
5: happy or happy almost leap <laughs> day. Um, we haven't yet planned a proposal where the woman has proposed. We've had quite a few inquiries, however. Mm. There seems to be a bit of a trend also in terms of the type of lady that... Okay. Requests, yes.
1: Girl. You can't just say type of lady. I want,
5: <laughs> I want deets. What are we talking about? Indian women. Quite often. Yeah. 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 Tasneem, what about you? Is there something fed you... fed up of waiting. <laughs>
6: Yeah, because, you know, what I think is they've they've been together for a long time and he hasn't popped the question. And, uh, yeah, we have had inquiries where, where they've actually asked us, you know, we want to propose... Um, when should we do it how should we do it so and it's very different from a woman proposing to a man and from a man proposing to a woman so there are a lot more details that goes into when there is a woman who was
1: sent an inquiry than a man. So, Interesting uh, yeah and, and what do we know about I guess the origin of this leap year story what do we I know? I believe it's Irish, Irish. <laughs> and
5: it was uh, uh sent bridget god bless her and she was um sick of waiting yeah she was she was just she
6: was just fed up she was she fed up
5: of like just waiting the ladies waiting and waiting so she asked Saint Saint pa- Patrick, for his yeah. permission um, and this is in the f- fifth century, fifth century, I think. Fifth century and I uh he said well okay every nine years a lady can propose and she was no, like every no. four years oh no he said every, every nine, nine years, years. and yeah. she was like no mate no. Sorry, every four years. Not wasting that Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Now, I put something on my Instagram stories last night, a poll saying, you know, women of Instagram, would you or have you proposed to your partners? Mm -hmm. And at last count, 27% of my followers said yes, they would. Mm -hmm. And I had two messages saying, I did this. So shout out. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, Rio, firstly, um, what are, I guess... I don't want to say normal because I hate that word. Mm-hmm. What do we know about average wait times or length of you know courtship before a ring is um, is is brought out? What have you noticed, and do you think it's changing?
5: It very much depends on the culture. I think from culture to culture it varies, the different norms. Um, but typically, I mean, if you're talking about One people in five, the UK, yeah. yeah to anywhere between 1, one to 5, five years
1: okay. um, but then obviously other cultures move very quickly Yeah. We're going to be talking next about some fun and creative ideas for women proposing tomorrow but we'll talk some general proposals as well and some of the most interesting and intricate proposals that our team from The Big Proposals have worked on We've got Rio and Tasnim in the studio Proposal Planners Extraordinaire Now, tomorrow is leap day. According to some historical customs, um, this is when women propose to their partners. So we have brought in Rio and Tasnim, the proposal planners from The Big Proposals. They've worked on private proposals, on some large scale extravaganzas we're going to be digging into next. To find out a little bit more about the history, but also some of the trends as well. Chloe is in the studio too. Um, I put a little poll out on my Instagram stories last night. 26% of people that responded said, this is women that they have or would propose their partners. Chloe, you keen?
5: Um, I feel like it would just throw all of his plans out, and I think that that would be hilarious to throw a curveball. Oh, my God, please do it tomorrow. <laughs> that would be so funny. I, I'm just not prepared. <laughs> Maybe next year, if he hasn't done it by Can't then. Can't next
1: year. Good going to wait four <laughs> years. It's now, it's now or never. Oh, yeah, four years. I know. Rio and were <sighs> just saying before, they've had some inquiries from women But no proposals as yet. Um, I wanted to ask you about some of the proposals you've worked on. Uh, Tasneem, which of the some over the years have stood out to you for, I mean, everyone's going to be special, right? But when you think back of of proposals that you've helped plan, which ones are you really proud of and, and make you smile
6: so most of our most of our couples are from abroad. So they come on a holiday to Dubai and they send us a message saying we're on holiday. We would like to propose, and the reason for coming to Dubai is because of the landmark, the beaches. You know, they, they want that wow backdrop. So we've done a, a really big one at Atlantis with Atlantis as a backdrop, and it was not just our, you know half an hour proposal. It was a half a day proposal. Mm-hmm. It started in the afternoon where he had hired a red Ferrari he had picked her up taken her out on a yacht surprise on the yacht when they got off the yacht we had actors who were wearing t-shirts of them <laughs> what so, it, was so yeah. oh, it was so random we had actors just walking around in the marina this was his request then. yeah this was his request yeah so he the, the actors were wearing t-shirts with uh, with uh, the, the photos on it so obviously she notices all this, you know that there is a cameraman there is people with t-shirts there actors going around just smiling at them from the marina, we took them to Atlantis, where we had this huge "marry me" sign with hundreds of balloons, um, and, a uh, and a rented cr- crowd, and a rented crowd who was there. We, we
1: don't know anyone, but we can get people there. Yeah, so yeah, and it's followed so by
6: a beautiful dinner on the br- uh, on the beach. With the name, so that was a big one. Um, we also have some like simple proposals, which is kind of mine and Rio's Our favorites. Favorite, yeah. uh, very personal, where the, the the lady doesn't even know she's getting proposed to. Well, you know?
1: That's what I wanted to ask you, Rio. Yeah. You know, when when you are working on you know on these proposals, do you think most of the women? have a suspicion and what are some of the red flags that maybe men have thrown up <laughs> knowingly or unknowingly
5: it's 50-50. 50-50, 50 50 50 50 percent have absolutely no clue and the other 50 are kind of orchestrating it with their partner
6: pretending they're, they're the influencer they type
5: they want their proposals <laughs> to go viral they're telling they're ordering their husband this is what i, oh, I don't know how i, I feel this about i want, that. i don't like it personally Yeah, we're but not a big fan of it. it's no. business for us yeah. i've seen on tiktok that these girls give a list of rules to their boy like Such we have nerd. to be in a nice dress. I have yeah. to have a full face of makeup. My nails need to be done, yeah. Yeah. but See, they that can't be in a bright yeah. color. But it's like what? how I was like you. You're supposed to be a surprise. Okay, that's my- a red
6: flag for sure. Because yeah. when when we hear him saying, you know, go and get your nails done, like <laughs> she it, knows, she knows. knows. Like yeah. um, randomly go and get your nails done. I now, had
1: like- no idea, and that's because he had no idea. Mm-hmm. We had a not a row. <laughs> it was it was, it was, a, it was an emotional day, um, yeah. and. I'm sure Nick went mummy sewing this. He told me he was going to get a pedicure and instead went to the Golden Diamond Park. (laughs) Came back. I was in my pajamas with the dogs at the sewing machine, and he did a very sweet, but I'm going to say not particularly polished Mm -hmm. speech. They're the best ones, and it was. And we we went out that night and met some friends, and it was lovely. Yeah,
6: Yeah. we had a home proposal as well, which we which we love. Um, She came back from Qatar. Yeah, she came back from Qatar. Came in tracksuit and trainers. And we have the little dog, Simba, who was just at the door and uh, saying, will you marry my daddy? And with was, a sign. Well, he wasn't a saying it. Yeah, <laughs> sign on yeah, his neck. Yeah, with a sign on his <laughs> head. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> oh. we we
5: filled the room with roses, balloons, candles, the works. It was beautiful. It, it was one very of my simple proposals. but gorgeous. See, I
1: yeah. always think if I was proposed to in public, like at a restaurant or something, it just, it really gives me the ick. Because mm-hmm. what if you're like... Uh, first thing we not, ask
6: but we have really that.
5: we yeah. ask what is would her she, response be is she an extrovert is she introvert is she a bit in between yeah. we ask you know what her favorite color is what her favorite song is and then we it's very
1: bespoke the proposals yeah. and then the wedding is the next stage and Rio you've been working in the red- wedding industry for absolutely years and years yes. and years are we still seeing lots of couples coming to buy to you know put a second ring on it
5: yeah yeah we both have our own businesses outside of the big proposals Tasnim is a wedding planner and I run a concierge, so we can help them with everything so, afterwards. And we help through. destination as well as domestic uh, yeah. brides. And here so far, well.
6: we've got one, one couple who has proposed who we're doing the wedding for. So, yeah.
1: Guys, thank you so much for coming in. Can we give a shout-out to so the big for proposals it. for anyone who's listening going... <laughs> yeah okay. we've still got a slot for tomorrow some- if any ladies want to propose yeah, we <laughs> if my boyfriend's up. listening as well i'm <laughs> gonna like forward them this podcast <laughs> yeah. that's the hint guys Forward the you. podcast thank you so so much rio and tasnim from the big proposals
2: you're listening to pets and vets on afternoons with helen farmer
0: with pro plan where the number one ingredient is always high quality salmon lamb turkey and chicken
1: Great to have you with us and great to be joined on the line now by the clinical director at Dr. Vet Clinic in Abu Dhabi, Dr. Zhao. How are you, doctor?
7: Hi, how are you? Good afternoon.
1: All good, all good. Um, I want to get to know you before we get to the text line. Um, You've obviously been working in the industry for a long time and now clinical director. Why did you want to get into you know veterinary life? Was it a childhood dream or a bit of a change later on?
7: Uh, no, it was a, a child's dream. Uh, I started dealing with with uh, animals when I was in a very young age in my country, in Portugal. Um, uh, my family had some agriculture in Portugal, and I started dealing with, with animals since my younger age, and then I decided that it would be um, the right uh, way to go through my life.
1: And how has it panned out? I know a few vets, and a lot of them are like, Oh, I was told that this would be easier than being a doctor, but now I'm getting photos of you know sick uh, cats at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah.
7: <laughs> no, it's not so easy. Um, you need to you need to like what you do. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, it's not it's not easy. Um, it's it's sometimes it's slightly complicated. Sometimes we we deal with situations that are complicated for us, very complicated for the owners, and we need to. To be able to deal with these all these uh, problems, sometimes and um, and the sadness of some situations.
1: I'm sure that's what I was about to say. It's not just dealing with you know the the furry patients in clinic. It's us humans as well that you need to be thinking about and and talking to. Also, I think we often kind of really underestimate the like the skill required in terms of being about when when you think about the number of you know breeds and species that you need to be working across. You know, it is absolutely vast um what about at home do you have any pets at home doctor
7: yes i have um uh, i adopted two animals so i adopted a golden retriever he was abandoned because he had parvovirus oh gosh um so i adopted him and then in the clinic i i saved a small kitten and then i decided to adopt him he was a stray cat So now I have a a dog and a cat and they are the best friends.
1: Oh, well, that's good. That's music to my ears. Now, regular listeners will know that, you know, it's nice to have a human name on our messages, but I also like to know what pets are called just because I'm nosy and I I, I like to know. So your cat and your dog, doctor, what are their names? Yes.
7: uh, Well, everybody's going to laugh. Um, (laughs) My dog, his name is Pablo Escobar. (laughs)
5: That um, is my superb.
7: Cat, my cat name, because it's Ginger, Okay, it looks like a, a, F, a Formula One driver. So I, I named my, my cat Max
1: Verstappen. That is, I have to say, if I could give you a prize, I would. Those are absolutely superb. Um, Doctor, we're going to be talking about all sorts of different health issues and we've had loads of messages for you already. Um, but I guess our topic of the day is about neutering and spaying. A really essential part of pet ownership is understanding the whys the hows um, and I guess the whens as well can we start with the whys Um, obviously the population control issue that we you know we are struggling with with cats and dogs but for pet owners in particular can you kind of sell us on the compelling health and behavioural reasons um, perhaps that we should be neutering our pets
7: um, yeah, it should be they should be neutered. Mainly, um, you reduce a little bit the aggressivity, aggressivity that they sometimes they can have. Okay, uh, the humping that sometimes you start seeing when they are six, seven months of age. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you are going to avoid uh, some problems in the future. Okay, um, most of the of the situations with neutering is that you are going to avoid some prostatic issues that they can appear in the future. Okay, so, so it's with- very important to the neutering yeah
1: and the when um you know i know it's going to depend between cat and dog and even the size the 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 the, the breed as well yes. can you give us some guidelines yes
7: uh, there are some there are several scientific studies that show that some breeds should be uh, neutered later mainly because of the of the bone growth that we should not reduce it um for instance a golden retriever i advise to be uh, neutered later um but normally uh Breeds that don't have a very quick growth. Uh, you can think about doing the neutering around seven seven months
1: of age. What about the recovery and the aftercare? We've had a number of messages about this in the past. Um, you know, I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to, you know, that my, my dog often is not going to be resting enough in order to heal following a surgery. Um, what can recovery look like and how long can it take?
7: Uh, the recovery, uh, the recovery it's, it's, it's not a long recovery. Honestly, um, the, the owners just need to be slightly careful um, for the first five days, not allowing them to run, to jump, and to to lick the wounds, and just to to be careful about that. It's not a very complicated recovery. Okay, it's a very quick one.
1: What about ongoing then? You know, should there be a change in diet? You know, their their hormone profile is ultimately changing. Do you need to respond in in kind in terms of what they're eating?
7: Yes, uh, when when normally when they are neutered, they have more tendency to get a little bit more fat. Mm. Okay, so you should control a little bit much better the the, the the diet that you are giving. In cats, there are specific, for instance, there are cats there are specific diets for neutering cats. Okay, that will control a little bit more the pH um, of urinary parts. So it will be advisable to change those kind those kinds of foods
1: got any questions on this get in touch we're talking neutering spaying the when's the why's. um can we come back to the behavioral changes you know i've, I've had friends in the past you know, more in the uk actually rather than here saying oh we're not going to we're not going to neuter our boy often the the male dogs um you know we're worried that it might impact um you know behavior why might that be and what do you tend to advise? If someone's really happy with the temperament of their dog and maybe they're worried that neutering might change it, can you put some minds at ease or give us information that we need?
7: For my experience, I, don't, I, don't, I have not seen a big change on the behaviour. Okay. The, the only change that you can see is that they become a little bit more calm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the, the, the behavior that they have with other uh, dogs um, will, will be more calm. They, they, are, they are able to interact much better. Okay. They don't have that need to, to be superior. Um, they, don't need to, they don't need to have that, that behavior that they try to show the other ones that they are, they are stronger than them. Mm-hmm. Okay. They become more calm and they are more sociable
6: okay.
1: to other dogs. Um, compelling stuff. stuff. Yeah. Doctor yeah. with us today, Dr. Jiao from uh, Clinical Director, speaking to us from Abu Dhabi, uh, Dr. Vet Clinic. We've had all sorts of messages. Francesca saying, um, you know, is daycare bad um someone said that that's where they pick up bad habits uh james's spaniel has a fatty mass on his hind leg should they just let it be um there's you know it's all up for discussion this hour
4: this is pets and vets on afternoons with helen farmer
0: with Proplan, groundbreaking science life-changing nutrition
4: Joining
1: us is the clinical director at Dr. Vet Clinic in Abu Dhabi, Dr. Giao. We've got loads of questions for you, doctor. We're going to try and help out as many people as possible between now and five o'clock. We've just been talking about neutering and spaying. And we've been in touch saying, I've got a one-year-old Frenchie who's booked in for castration next week. What should we expect for aftercare? When can you go back to doggy daycare? It's our first dog, so no idea what to expect. Can you help, please? That's from Hind. Would you mind shedding some light there in terms of getting back to to normal doggy behaviour? Yeah, um, so what you
7: can expect. So after the surgery to, to go to the daycare, normally you need to wait at least 10 to 12 days after the surgery, okay, so that you can have a proper recovery. Uh, in the daycare, he's going to behave perfectly fine and he's going to um, have a normal relation with other dogs. We'll not see a lot of changes in his behaviour.
1: Um, I wanted to ask you, <laughs> my husband couldn't take our dog to be castrated. He's like, I can't do it. You're going to have to take the boy dog. He's <laughs> like I can't look him in the eyes when when I take him in the car. Um, but what about pain relief? Is that something that the, the clinic would, would offer Hind and her Frenchie? Yeah. Uh, and, and for how many days?
7: Yeah, normally, normally the a pain, a pain, a painkiller, a pain relief should be given at least for three days. Okay, um, antibiotics. Um, there are controversial about it. Okay, if the surgeries are done perfectly aesthetic, um, they should not have any need for any kind of antibiotics after surgery.
1: What about? Um the, the the healing and I guess really what I'm asking about is the cone of shame is there a cone I've seen little bodysuits that look like baby grows now what's what's happening in that space
7: uh, normally in males we apply the um, the cone of shame <laughs> <laughs> okay, because the body the body the, uh, the, the problem is that with the, with the body suits is that you need to remove them every time they need to go to the to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you don't have the specific, still the, the good ones, so that it can be open on that area. So it um, honestly needs to go with the of
1: shame. Um, Hind, here's my number one tip um, with the cone of shame: is their their turning circle changes. So we had a number of instances where our dog got himself locked in various rooms because he turned around and then he closed the door by accident with the cone. Um, so just be aware that their their kind of their vision is a bit impaired and the the turning circle changes. Just. Trust me on that hint. All the very best. I hope it goes well. Um, Joining us on the line, Dr. Giao speaking to us from Dr. Vet Clinic. He's a clinical director there. Has, I say, two of the best named pets I've ever heard. Um, And we're loving your messages. We are going to come to the text line again after half past four today. Um, Laurie's been in touch saying, hi guys, my desert dog has managed to rip her side open, needed surgery, seems to be healing okay. Um, But she's worried there's not enough healthy skin to close the wound. So we're going to be hearing that message in full, um, as I said, we're going to come to Francesca's question about do dogs pick up bad habits in daycare? James has been in touch about a mass that's been growing on his uh, dog's leg.
2: This is Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer.
0: With ProPlan.
1: Back to your animal questions and helping us through and taking those. Dr. Jiao, the clinical director at Dr. Vet Clinic in Abu Dhabi. Are you ready for some questions, Doc? Let's do it. All right. We've had a message from Francesca saying, "Um, I put my puppy five months old into daycare for one day, need to do it so I can get some work done. And we are going to need them to have a night in the kennels in a few months. I thought it'd be a good way to test it out. Daycare said he was great, sent me photos. He seemed to love it. The plan is to go one day a week. However, I mentioned it in passing to his dog trainer who says they don't recommend it for dogs as they pick up bad habits. Is it really that bad? I'm worried now. Our dogs go to daycare about once a week. Um, any truth in this?
7: Um, depends on uh, how the how the daycare is is worked with. Uh, normally, no. It's good for them to to be on daycare because they interact with other dogs, and normally uh, they are able in the future to to not become uh, more aggressive or more crazy when they see uh, new dogs in the street or when they walk, when You are walking them outside. Uh, so I'm in favour of of, of uh, the daycare at least once or twice a week. I'm that's a good
1: thing. Thank you for saying that because that's how I feel in terms of socialising and different smells and you know getting getting used to being around around uh, unfamiliar well dogs that aren't yeah. friends yet. Let's just say. Interestingly, we had a follow up message in this saying. I've got two girl dogs. Habits picked up from daycare. One keeps peeing like a boy dog. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one does a great handstand pee for two to three seconds. I'm sorry. I'm going to need a photo of this, whoever whoever got in touch there. 4001, please. Um, messages coming in for you, doctor. Um, James saying, um, our spaniel has a fatty mass on his hind leg. It's been growing slowly for the last four or five years. It's not impairing his movement, but it's now about the size of a satsuma. We have had a biopsy done and there's nothing suspicious. He is 11 now. Should we just leave it?
7: if um, if you already have a, a biopsy and it's negative even then uh, it's always advisable to remove okay because the masses can start growing even if they are benign, benign masses they can start growing and sometimes they can start bleeding mm-hmm. okay so it's always advised to be removed
1: Okay, James. Thank you for that. All the very best to your spaniel from a, a fellow spaniel parent. Um, a message here from Fallet saying, "I'm just wondering what treats I can give my cat at the moment. He's on a vet urinary diet to treat struvite crystals. Uh, so I assume the normal ones are out. Um, would welcome any ideas. So, would you mind just quickly explaining? I guess this kind of urinary diet is that the same as like a renal diet for kidneys, or is or is that something different?"
7: There are, there are specific diets for, for each case. Uh, in this case, uh, you, have a spe- uh, you have a diet that can dissolve the, the crystals and maintain the pH of the urine normal. Um, normally, it's used when you have crystals on the urine and you will just want to dissolve them. Uh, specific crystals, uh, so diets only work with specific crystals. Um, it's advisable to do that diet and to keep uh, doing it, and then you need to repeat again a, a urine analysis. To confirm that is completely clear from the crystals, and then you can return to a normal food. A Reno one. A renal diet is more specific when you have um renal insufficiency. That can be acute one or chronic one. Uh, chronic one, then you need to keep that type of diet for a long period of time, mm-hmm. mostly for the rest of their life.
1: Okay. So what about treats for a cat who's on a urinary diet? Um, and I think, you know, as, as pet owners, we just get into a bit of a habit of giving treats. Sometimes it's, you know, behavior related. Sometimes they they give those big wide-eyed looks up at you and you just can't possibly resist um are, are there any things you need to be looking for in terms of ingredients or anything that comes to mind now doctor that we could perhaps yeah, it's share not,
7: it's not, i don't advise when they when they are when they are uh, under a treatment diet i don't advise to give treats of course oh, there are no. some treats that, <laughs> Poor are specific for, that you can give it there are already brands that have specific uh, treats that you can use it in those situations but Honestly, I, during that time, mainly when you are dissolving creases, I don't advise to give any any treats, okay?
1: Poor thing. Poor father's cat. <laughs> um, and a message here, I, I don't know if you can help with cat behavior, but let's, let's see. You do have one yourself. Hi, Doc. My female cat always whacks her male sibling. They've been together for eight years. What is the reason behind such behavior? It happens towards the evenings. And then a bit of an unhappy face emoji, so it sounds like this has happened quite suddenly, um, but they 've been together for eight years so female cat whacking her brother anything that comes to mind
7: uh, yeah normally uh, normally cats get more active at night mm. uh, but it 's normal for them to have that behavior sometimes, okay, because they want to show to the other one who is the boss
1: <laughs> that's ah. how it was. <laughs> So it's just it's a dominance thing. I mean, is there anything to worry about? Yeah. And, you know, should you just let them get on with it?
7: Yeah, normally, it's it's normal to happen. Sometimes you need to stimulate a little bit more the, the play with them, mm-hmm. the time that you play with them, so that they can calm down and they get interested in other things. But it's a, a common thing to happen. They uh, get much more active at night.
1: Okay, well... Good luck. (laughs) And we've got a question here from Laurie. Um, We're going to try and get through this uh, before we head over to the traffic, saying, "Um, my desert doc managed to rip her side open and needed surgery. Seemed to be healing okay, a bit oozy, but vet said it was fine. Checked it today at lunchtime and noticed a few little holes in between some of the stitches. The vet wanted me to send some pictures and then said to fast her overnight, bring her in tomorrow for potentially more surgery. It is getting worse and I'm worried there won't be enough healthy skin to close the wound. Any reassurances? Laurie hasn't sent us a picture. I know it's really hard over a text, doctor. But what if you were to receive that message from a patient? What would you be advising? And what could perhaps Laurie and her dog expect tomorrow? Uh,
7: some, sometimes what happens is that those those wounds uh, they tend sometimes to get slightly infected, and that's why sometimes the stitches can rupture. Okay. Um, to solve this problem, um, of course, he needs to go to the to the uh, normal vet to observe what, what is what is going on with the wounds probably sometimes you need to do a culture to understand what type of bacteria you have there. Um, And if it's opening the wound, it needs to be restitching.
6: Okay.
1: Hope that's okay, Laurie. All the very best to you both. And we've just got a really quick question that I'm hoping we can get a quick answer on because we've only got a minute left. Um, saying i 've got a cat, oh my goodness, I love this name we 've got a cat called dougal i've no idea who the who the the pet parent is there 's no no human name in it, but dougal 's been with this family for four years rescue really loving content cat uh, i think he 's about six or seven He's had no health problems um but he 's really struggling with dry food just isn't interested sometimes we 'll eat it and we 'll vomit and regurgitate it. Should we think about switching to a wet food
7: um Sometimes it's not related to be being the dry food. Okay. Uh, sometimes there are problems that we have it and then can cause that vomiting or constant vomiting. Um, that it's not related with the dry food and it's not going to be solved with the wet food. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so I, I would advise to go to the vet and to do a complete checkup. Okay. Because uh, sometimes they can even have an inf- inflammatory bowel disease that can cause those vomitings. And it can be quickly solved with uh, hypogenic food.
1: Thank you so much, Doctor, for your time. For our Abu Dhabi listeners, um, what's the best way of finding you, I guess, in person or online, if people want to avail of your expertise? How can we find you?
7: Um, you, can, you can visit us on our hospital in Abu Dhabi. Uh, it's, a, it's a new brand uh, facility just built specifically to be a, a veterinary hospital. It's completely different from what has been seen in UAE. Um, we have a, a new 1.5 tesla mri the first one in the i think in the middle east oh. not even in the countries in the middle east uh, so those a complete quick uh, mri images for diagnosing any kind of neurological problems and if if there's any question that needs to be done you can send an email to info at dr vet dot a
1: dr jiao thank you so so much really appreciate your time and your expertise <laughs>